is going to come and read. It's from Judges, chapters 7 to 40. Chapter 6, sorry. <laughs> sorry, you're heading me. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the gate tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abdezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. He answered, I will stay here until you return. Gideon hurried home. He cooked a young goat and with a basket of flour, he baked some bread without yeast. Then carrying the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. The angel of God said to him, place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of his staff in his hand and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, Oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. It is all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid. You will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The altar remains in Ophrah in the land of the clan of Ibiza to this day. That night, the Lord said to Gideon, Take a second bull from your father's head, the one that is seven years old. Pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole be standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, 
laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar, using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole he cut down. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord had commanded. But he did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people of the town. Early the next morning, as the people of the town began to stir, someone discovered the altar of Baal had been broken down and that the Asherah pole beside it had been cut down. In their place, a new altar had been built and on it were the remains of the bull that had been sacrificed. The people said to each other, who did this? And after asking around, making a careful search, they learned that it was Gideon, the son of Joash. Bring out your son, the men of the town demanded of Joash. He must die for destroying the altar of Baal and for cutting down the Asherah pole. But Joash shouted to the mob that confronted him. Why are you defending Baal? Will you argue his case? Whoever pleads his case will be put to death by morning. If Baal is truly God, let him defend himself and destroy the one who broke down his altar. From then on, Gideon called Cherub Baal, which means let Baal defend himself because he broke down Baal's altar. Soon afterwards, the armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east formed an alliance against Israel and crossed the Jordan. Camping in the valley of Jezreel, then the spirit of the Lord took possession of Gideon. He blew a ram's horn as a call to arms, and the men of the clan of Abizer came to him. He also sent messengers throughout Abizer, throughout Manesh, Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, summoning their warriors, and all of them responded. Then Gideon said to God, if you are truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way. I will put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you are going to help me rescue Israel as you promised. And that is just what happened. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out a whole bowlful of water. Then Gideon said to God, please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece for one more test. This time, let the fleece remain dry while the ground it is wet with dew. So that night, God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. Story of Gideon. It was a long passage, Fran. Thank you for reading it so well for us. But you know, there's no better way we can spend time in God's house than reading and listening to God's word. Because anything that we say might just differ, but God's word is sure and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. So the story of Gideon, Gideon was a farmer, but his name means destroyer or mighty warrior or feller of trees. He was one of the judges of Israel. He was the fourth judge in Israel. In verses 1 to 6, which we didn't read, Israel's sin is renewed. God delivered the children of Israel into the hands of the Midianites. 
For seven years they came and they started to bother them. The Israelites prepared shelters for themselves. They even hid in the mountain caves and strongholds. See, the Midianites were desert people. If you remember, eh, I'm sure you all know the story of Joseph. How Joseph was sold by his brothers to Midianite traders eh, that were passing by in a camel train in the desert. Then they took him on a 30-day march to Egypt. In Numbers chapter 31, verses 1 to 20, we read there how the Israelites fought a battle with the Midianites, and they won. But you know, they spared the women and the children. They were totally told to destroy them all. They did not destroy the whole population, so the Midianites grew in strength, and they repopulated again, so here again they are, oppressing Israel. You know, sometimes God uses situations to get our attention. After 40 years of peace, the Midianites began to harass the Israelites by destroying their flocks and their crops. The Israelites finally hit rock bottom before they trusted in God again. You know, we need to look to God for help each day. I point the finger to myself first. We need to keep short accounts with God, calling him first in every situation we find ourselves in. God chooses Gideon. He's a poor, humble farmer to be their deliverer. God sent a special messenger to deliver a very important message to Gideon. You know, God can use every one of us. If we are willing to put our faith and our trust in him, and we're willing to step out in faith. God can use you and he can use me to the saving of precious souls. You know, the Old Testament records several appearances of the angel of the Lord. In Genesis 16 and verse 7, the angel of the Lord finds Hagar, Sarah and Abraham's maid, beside a fountain of water in the wilderness. In Exodus 3 verse 2, Moses and the burning bush you remember the story, I'm sure. The Lord appeared in a flame out of the fire of the burning bush, and he speaks to Moses. See, God sees more than we do. So we come to Gideon's call. I just wonder, will God call somebody here today? I am a Gideon. That's why I wear this badge. And I've been so encouraged of late with things that have been happening in our Gideon circle that I just wanted to speak about Gideon today. You know, it was in this church that I was one night listening to a man preaching. It was a Gideon's meeting, actually. But I felt the call of God in my life to become a Gideon. I didn't know what was ahead, just the same way as the night I got saved. I didn't know what was ahead. But you know, you've got to trust God and step out in faith. You know, I've been excited every day since I've been saved as a young man of 18, and even more so when I became a Gideon, as we hand out God's word to many places. So the call of Gideon. Gideon is threshing in the wine press, as Fran read to us. You know, it's a great story. If you just take time to read it all through, uh, it's an amazing story. Here he is in the wine press. So what is threshing, or winnowing as it might be called? Well, it's a job of using a pitchfork. It's Willie here, Willie. He's good. Ah, Willie, you should have your pitchfork and show us how to do the job. 
This is tossing the wheat into the air to separate the wheat from the chaff. The wheat is the part of the plant that is useful, but the chaff is the worthless outer shell. Because the chaff is of no use, it is burned, but the wheat, however, is gathered and used for bread making. Winning is often used as a picture of God's judgment in his word. Unrepentant people will be judged and discarded because they're worthless in doing God's work. Those who repent and believe will be saved and used by God. Threshing was usually done on a hill, so the wind could blow away the chaff. When the beaten wheat was tossed in the air by the farmer, if Gideon did this, he would have been an easy target for the bands of raiders in the land at that time. So that is why he hid in the wine press out of sight. See, God separates the chaff from the wheat. In Psalm 1 verse 4, it tells us there, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. John the Baptist said in Matthew 3, verse 11 to 12. I'm afraid I've got a wrong reading there. Sorry. God confirms his priorities with his presence. The angel of the Lord appears unto Gideon, and he says to him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. I'm using my King James, which I usually study with. Or mighty hero, as Franz said. So what is Gideon thinking? Lord, who are you speaking to? Are you speaking to me? I'm just a wimp. A pussycat, not a tiger. See, Gideon was hiding out of sight in a wine press, which was a pit hidden from view and a place you would not usually find farmer's crops. So Gideon says to the angel of the Lord, if the Lord be with us, why is all this happening to us? Has he forsaken us and handed us into the hands of the Midianites? It would seem so. Have you or have I ever said this? Lord, why is this thing happening to me? So in verse 13, Gideon questions God about his apparent lack of help. But remember, the people had turned their backs on God. And when problems come into our spiritual lives, we must first look within. How often have you or I seen or heard people who have no time for God in their lives, when something bad happens, they turn and they blame God. Gideon didn't realize that the people had brought this upon themselves. David says in Psalm 51 verse 3, my sins and my transgressions are ever before me. You see, the closer we come to God, the more we see our own sin and our own unworthiness. Verse 14, 
chapter 6, and the Lord looked at him and he says, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent ye? Gideon says to the Lord, How shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. The Lord says to Gideon, Surely I will be with thee. God promised to give him the strength he needed to overcome the opposition. Yet in spite of this clear promise from God, Gideon made excuses, seeing only his limitations and weaknesses. He failed to see how God could work through him. Do you, do I, make excuses to God? If we, like Gideon, point out our weaknesses to God when he calls us to do something for him, it's just as if we are saying, you know nothing about me. When God calls us for a purpose, he also equips us. And if we are willing to step out in faith for God, then he will stand with us. He will encourage us. He will strengthen us. And he will lead us if we are willing to trust him. But because God knows everything about us, we should have nothing to fear. How often have we been afraid of what is going to happen? To find out later that it is all worth out fine. Are we willing to step out in faith and trust God? To allow his Holy Spirit to work in our lives? When we allow this to happen, we feel so blessed, so encouraged, we are ready for the next opportunity. Verse 17, the passage Fran read, Gideon says to God, give me a sign. Gideon prepares a sacrifice to give to the Lord. He prepares a kid and unleavened cakes and broth in a pot, and he brings it out under the oak tree, and he presents it to the Lord. The angel of the Lord tells Gideon to take this offering and put it in a rock and pour the broth over it. Then the angel of the Lord put forth his hand, and he touches the sacrifice with the end of his staff. Then rose a fire out of the rock and consumed the sacrifice that was laid on there. Then the angel of the Lord departs, and when Gideon perceived he had seen the angel of the Lord face to face, he thought, surely I will die. The Israelites believed that no one could see God and live. Gideon also thought this. Private faithfulness is a prerequisite for public usefulness. I'll say that again. Private faithfulness is a prerequisite for public usefulness. Before Gideon could be used, he had to clean up his own backyard. So we see Gideon's courage increase. You see, Gideon had to go and pull down some of his dad's idols and sacrifice his prized bull and another one. We read that in verses 25 to 30. And after Gideon to Gideon to be Israel's deliverer, he asked him to tear down the altar to the pagan god Baal. Now all the people were worshipping Baal. This was their god. 
the God of storms and rains, which was responsible for the vegetation, they thought. Gideon did this at night because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town. Have you, have I, got any altars we need to tear down? Things in our lives that are keeping us from experiencing God's will in our lives. Canaanite religion was very political. So an attack on God was seen as an attack on the local government supporting that God. So if, if caught Gideon, he could be attacked, he could be killed, or face many social problems. After learning what Gideon had done, the people wanted to kill him. Many of them were Israelites who had turned their backs on God and worshipped false gods. In verse 23, the Lord says unto Gideon, Peace be unto thee, fear not, shalt, thou shalt not die. And as we heard recently from Graham, a few weeks back, there are 365 times that this phrase occurs in the Bible. Fear not. One for every day of the year. Then Gideon built an altar to God and called it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. You know, when we try to accomplish something for God, we may be criticized by the very people who should be supporting us. So Gideon struggles with doubts, but success is determined by God's power, not ours. So God is patient with our faith process. In verse 31, we read there that Joash, Gideon's father, stood up against all those that stood against him. We move on to verse 33. The armies of Midian and Amalek camped in the valley of Jezreel. They had about 135,000 men. So whoever controlled the fertile valleys controlled the food in the area. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Verse 34. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, so he blew his trumpet to summon the Abiezrites to follow him. I was just asking the, the musicians, has any of you got a trumpet? They said, no. If Stephen was here, he can make a trumpet noise. Well, yesterday, I picked up this thing that sometimes you play with the, the grandkids. Uh, it's like a, a, the end, that roll off the kitchen foil. You kind of kept this. And I was... Well, that's a poor trumpet sound, is it? But anyway, you can imagine it. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon Gideon and he blows his trumpet. And all these men come and gather around him. You know, this is the same Gideon who cringed in the cave. He now blows this ram's horn or trumpet. And the Abiezrites gather around him. Gideon took a huge step of faith in his private faithfulness. Now God's Spirit was drawing people from far and near. You know, when we are faithful to God and we come and we pray to Him and we spend time with Him, it's amazing what He will do in us and through us. Then verses 37 to 40, 
We read there how Gideon demands two miracles from God. And Fran read for us so beautifully about the wet and the dry fleece. See, Gideon says to God, God, if you're really with me, if you're really going to give me this victory, I want you to do something for me. I want you to do something. So he takes this fleece and he puts it out and he says to God, I'll leave this fleece out through the night. And in the morning when I go out, if all the ground is wet round about it and this fleece is dry, that will be a sign that you are with me. So he gets up in the morning and he goes out. I got it the wrong way around, didn't I? If this fleece is, fleece is wet and the ground is dry, <clears throat> there are no mistakes with God. Only me makes the mistakes. So he goes out and he takes the fleece and he looks round about and everything's dry and he takes it and wrings out the fleece and he gets a bowl full of water. But he's not content with that. <coughs> Excuse me. He turns and he says to God, okay, you've proved yourself once. I want you to prove yourself again. Tomorrow, will you do the opposite thing? So in the morning he goes and he lifts the fleece and the fleece is bone dry and there's dew all around. So now he's convinced that God is with him. See, self-sufficiency is an enemy to us all. So we'll move on now into chapter 7, you think, was the first reading not long enough? But we had to tell the story before we realize, you know, that one of the great things in our Christian life is that, you know, it's a great point in your life when you come to faith in Jesus Christ. And you say, that was the day I got saved. But when you look back over your years and you see how God has progressed you all the way along. It is an amazing thing to look back. And even as we go on, we get, God reveals things to us. Times when he kept us from trouble. Times when he saved us physically from harm. So we'll move on into chapter 7. And the Lord says to Gideon, this army gathers round him. And he says, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men with you. For me to deliver you. This is in 7 chapter 2. Chapter 7 verse 2. So Gideon speaks to his army. And he tells those who are afraid to go home. You see 32,000 men that gathered around him. And you think what an army. He's bound to have a victory. But God says no. Tell those who are afraid to go home. And all of a sudden just like that. 22,000 men wander off. So he's left now with 10,000. God tells him, still too many. Take them down to the water and I will try them for you. I'll sort them out for you. Don't you worry about it. So he takes them down to the water and he tells them, those who lap like a dog, right, dude, they're no use. Because when they're down there, the enemy can come and can kill them. He says to them, take those who have taken the water in their hands and they're looking around about. They're the ones I'm going to use. Now he's left with 300 men. So Gideon must have been shocked to see so few men left in his army. 
And the Lord said, by the 300 men that are left, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. With an army as small as this, it would only serve to prove the victory was from God. See, one with God is a majority. Like Gideon, we need to learn not to try things in our own strength. Gideon faced overwhelming odds, yet he trusted in God. And even if we are outnumbered or unpopular, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Philippians 4 verse 13. So he tells him, go down into the valley and attack. But if you're afraid, Gideon, you go down and listen to what they're saying in the quietness of the night. So Gideon's courage is multiplied. So Gideon and Purah's servant, they go down to the outposts of the camp. You can imagine them creeping up to the edge of this camp. All these men there wondering, will I get caught? And as they're there, they hear a man in the camp. And he's relating to another man and he says how he had a dream that a round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the camp, striking a tent and turning it upside down. The man's friend replied, This can only be the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the Israelite. And when Gideon heard about the dream and he heard the man, he went and he worshipped God. He returned to the camp and he called out to his men, Get up! The Lord has given us the Midianite camp. You know, I wonder, perhaps God made every one in the Midianite camp hear this dream. So God divided his men, uh, Gideon divided his men into three companies, and he placed trumpets in their hands and empty jars in their hands with torches inside. Watch me and do everything I do, Gideon says. When I blow the trumpet, and the men with me, everyone, do the same. I want you to shout out for the Lord and for Gideon. So they all blew their trumpets at the same time. And they broke the jars and they grasped their torches in their left hand and their trumpets in their right hand. The three companies of men all blew at the same time. If you imagine through the quietness of the night, the uproar that was caused, and then they see these lights round about them, and they hear the shout, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. You know, this is just like sounding the trumpet, the gospel, holding forth the light of the gospel. The gospel is a sword, not in the hand but in the mouth, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. You know, all the Midianites ran and they cried as they fled when they heard the trumpets. They turned upon each other. Gideon didn't have to raise a hand. God had given them the victory. And then the last few verses of chapter 7, if you read it later, we read how Gideon called for all his people to pursue the Midianites. They even caught two of their leaders 
and brought their heads back to Gideon to prove their victory. So Gideon's victory was completed. C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts at us or shouts to us in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Although we are slow at returning or coming to God, he is never slow at responding to us. God used an unnamed prophet to call his people back to total surrender and full devotion. We are all facing different tasks, different challenges, battles of one kind of another. And even if we are afraid like Gideon, God can give you, God can give me the strength to face any situation. So we should not be surprised when he does come and help us. We must listen to God and be prepared to take the first step. Only after we are prepared to obey God will we find the courage to move ahead. You know, the night that I decided to become a Gideon here, I wonder how can I stand up to this? How can I do this? How can I go into schools and stand before maybe 150 or 200 youngsters and tell them about God's word? But you know, God, as I said already, God calls and God equips and God will help every one of us. You know, each one of us is a believer here today. We need to step out in these days because God's word is getting pushed to the, the rear of everything. God's name is being cancelled out of all the books that you find because people have turned their backs on God. We have to trust God for all that he has for us before we can move into the exciting life that he has for all who will put their faith and their trust in him. You know, every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is on the victory side. We have nothing to fear if we trust God and step out in faith. He will give us the victory over every battle and every situation. Amen.